Welcome to the Discovery Doc Podcast, where we advocate for optimal wellness and reducing everyday toxic loads, no matter where life takes you. I'm Dr. Cece, doctor in nursing practice, self-proclaimed toxin tamer, and a crunchy mama. I'm Anna Kate, a medical mystery overachiever and your Discovery Liaison. Join us on this exciting journey as we explore the world of holistic health, cutting-edge research, and practical solutions for a healthier life. Together, we'll navigate through the complexities of wellness, sharing valuable insights, and expert advice. Tune in to the Discovery Doc Podcast. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and discover a whole new way of looking at your health. Welcome to the Discovery Doc Podcast. I'm here with your host, Dr. Cece, functional medicine nurse practitioner, crunchy mama of three, and self-proclaimed toxin tamer. And this chick over here. I'm Anna Kate, your medical mystery overachiever and discovery liaison. And I'm going to add something to my title this time. I'm an antibody accumulator. So if you've got extra <laughs> antibodies out there, I, you're, I'm your girl. You're my, you're my person. <laughs> so today we've got a very special guest with us, and I'm going to let Dr. Cece tell you more about her. Yes, we have Dr. Arlene Diampko, a passionate and integrative physician. She is a cranial osteopath, a mama of four, and someone who, who works to bridge mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of health back into medicine. She is also someone that I refer quite a bit of patients to for her expertise. Dr. Tiamgo, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you today. If you would please take the floor and talk to us about just your background, your education, ultimately what led you to becoming this amazing multidimensional MD. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, everyone. Um, well, it started in medical school. I went to medical school at Emory. And my first year of medical school, I had this epiphany. I, I was like, we're looking at it all wrong. Wow. What if instead of comparing everything to the placebo effect, we studied what the placebo effect was and harnessed it and figured out what that innate capacity of the body to get better from within was, and then use that. And then we wouldn't have to worry about the side effects. So we were in this group discussion with my friends and colleagues, other medical students and the attending physician there. And I raised my hand and I said that, and I thought, this is going to change medicine. This is going to change everything. This is common sense. And I don't know why no one's looked at it like this before. And I thought at the very least, we were going to have this great conversation of like, hmm, wow, that's a great idea. But, you know, they just looked at me kind of funny. And then the attending physician said, well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And I looked at my friends and they were looking at the attending physician. And, you know, these were brilliant yeah. people, they, they had studied so hard. And I was like, why are they looking at the physician? Because this is not like a right or wrong question. This was this is more like a philosophical thing, like a discussion of like right. looking how we can help people. And, um, and then that was it. We never had any discussion about it. So it just left me thinking like, huh, there must be something different about me, but I'm not sure why, because this is so clear and such common sense. Like they didn't feel like I had to 
think really hard to come up with it. And, um, but just like going on through my medical training, there were certain things that happened to me that um, really made a big impression on me. So that, that was one. And I just kind of laid back in the in the back of me, like, I, I will pursue this, I will figure out what that is over time. But I kind of laid low because everyone would, um, was like, they weren't as curious about it as yeah. I was. And then like, when we started become judgmental too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then when we started the clinical rotation, so this is when we go into the hospitals and we were in at Grady, so that's in the city. Um, and for, I, I don't know if people know, but like Grady used to be segregated a long time ago. It's shaped like an H and it used to be segregated. So just to give you a little bit of a history. Um, so anyway, there was a woman there and she was there for pneumonia and we had learned how to do a perfect history. So you ask all these questions, it's pages long. And so this was my first patient interview. So I asked her all the questions I had on my page. And one of them was, have you ever had any trauma, any sexual abuse or any other trauma? And she said, yes. And I looked at the next question on my list and it says, have you ever told anyone? And she said, no. And then I looked at my page and I'm looking for like the diagram of like, if yes, if no, do this. And there was nothing. And I was really green and young and um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond. And then I looked at the attending physician. I looked, I mean, she said this in front of the whole rounding team. So these other medical students are there. Everyone's just blinking at me. Nobody's making eye contact. And I'm, I'm like pleading at them, like, help me, like with my eyes. No one said anything. So I just kept going and I felt terrible mm. because why would you ask such a question? And then she just had the courage to answer it. And then we acted like it wasn't even important. No. Like it, we didn't care that it happened to her. I was like this, I was like the act of even asking the question and not even like addressing it is harm, it's creating harm. Yeah. So I thought, okay, so I had an ethics class later that day and I thought, okay, I'm going to figure out what to do. They'll know what to do. And so they said, oh, you know, that's a great question, Arlene. Thank you so much for bringing that up. And I'm thinking she's still in the hospital. We got time. We can figure right, this out. Back and make this happen. Yeah. And it was just, uh, oh, let's just talk about this. Oh, isn't that so ideal? And I'm looking for the practical, like, well, what are we going to do? And she, I mean, there was nothing. I, and so I was really angry. Yeah. And so like right then and there, I was like, I will never be this kind of physician. And if they aren't going to teach me how to address things like this, then I'm going to figure it out because no one had taught me, but I knew the person in front of me was a human being. Yeah. And that health involved all of those dimensions. She wasn't just a body. She wasn't just like this physical thing in front of us. She was a human being. And at the very least, we could have shown her some compassion and presence. And, you know, going back, if even if you didn't know what to do, I would have just said, I don't know what to do about that right now. Right. But if you would like help, you know, like, I'll, we'll figure That's it out. We'll figure out what we can do. Yeah. You know, absolutely. something. And then, you know, that leads into like, just like going on and on um, into residency and um, 
And even just like, like talking about pneumonia, like, well, why would you even ask such a thing? Like, what would that have anything to do with pneumonia? Did you, did um, you find yourself once you got into residency, did you find yourself having a hard time sometimes clinically to manage patients or get through your day? Did you feel like you were restrictions were put on you or boundaries were put on you where you wanted to explore the side that you knew was important, but at least from my experience, I know that wasn't welcomed in, in my school. Well, I didn't even know how to explore it. I just knew I had these ideas and perceptions, perspectives on things, um, but no, like people didn't seem to be as interested in them. They wanted like straight medicine, which to them was physical was um, that that science, but the the tangible science. And so if you got into like soft, mushy things like mind and emotion, and this is where like it, everything was split centuries ago, like medicine w w took over body, so the physical, and then the mind went to psychology, psychiatry, and then the spirit went to religion. But those are artificial like separations. It's like the, the health really involves everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was hard to be in situations. I know that they would call me when I was in residency, if something like in the emergency room was going down and there were parents that were super stressed or emotional, mm -hmm. <laughs> then they would be like, Arlene, you go talk to them. Yeah. I'm like, why me? You're I don't know anything. You're the <laughs> they're like, you're the yes, you're like nurturing. You're you're like mother motherly and nurturing. And yeah. I'm like, yes, but nobody's taught me what to do. <laughs> so I just laugh because I'm like, well, I just need to be nice just to be kind, right? Yeah. Um, to try to understand where they're coming from. That That's all. And um, and at some point in residency, because of the stress of all the medical education, I, I, like I felt like I felt like I was going to get sick if I didn't mm -hmm. do something to address my own health. And I was thinking that and I was walking down the street and I looked up and I saw a yoga sign and I was like, I'll do yoga. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and I had never done it before. So I started doing yoga and meditation. And so little things that had been really bothering me, like I had reflux that would keep me up at night and I would just, you know, get stressed. It, it's always stressful in the hospital. So yeah. uh, it, it would be hard to like not be stressed. But then it, it became noticeable to people because somebody in the emergency room commented, one of the clerks was like, why are you all calm and everyone else is like running around and I'm like, we're supposed to be running around, but, but I was doing it and like calmly. Um, and, and another physician actually commented to you. She's like, you're, there's something different about you. Um, but it helped my digestion. It helped my mind. It helped me relax. It helped me in stressful situations. And that was in a matter of three weeks, I felt those changes. Wow. And so I was wondering, I was like, huh, this stuff is, I mean, it's not like medicine prescriptions. It's like right. anyone could go do it. I was like, why aren't we recommending this to our, our patients? But, um, but that was, that was the state of, of training at that time. And it's not that they don't mean to be like that. It's just, it, it's, it wasn't, training wasn't developed in a way to address the whole being. And it's because of that artificial separation into the different professions, I guess. Mm -hmm. Did you share any of that with your colleagues at the time? And what were their responses? Even something simple as yoga, were you like, hey guys, this has really helped with my digestion, with this acid reflux I've been suffering from. Did you share any of that? Did you find that it was received well? Um, 
I mean, at that point in time, most people weren't really interested in it. They did try, like in medical school, we had one nutrition class, meaning like one lecture, <laughs> and we had like one um, experience in like mindfulness and meditation. Um, mm -hmm. And then people would just be giggling and laughing, which was totally fine because that's another way to like relax and release. But they didn't take it seriously right. in the way. But but it's curious because like if you looked at like evidence based medicine, if you actually looked into it, you would see how much could you could improve in health with meditation and yoga from your yeah. breathing your blood pressure, your digestion, your cognition. I mean, it goes on and on. So we're not using all the tools that we can. Um, we have so much more available to us than we're than what we are recommending for patients. And so I've always looked at it, I was like, wow, we can really raise the bar of health. And I was always curious in those, what they call outliers. So if you had a study mm -hmm. and they had a scattering of like results, I was always curious in the one that was like really far out. They did so well that it was like not anywhere close to the line, the yeah. average. And so in studies, they, the outliers skew the results. So they usually tend to like delete them because that's why they call them outliers because right. they're like, well, that's like outside the norm. But I was like, no, I'm, I'm interested in what's outside the norm because they're doing like really well. And yeah. why, if we studied what happened there, maybe we could recreate that or just figure out what, what are those aspects that are helping that person become an outlier. Amazing. And I mean, they're really just miracles. They call them outliers, but they're miracles. And miracles are just something you don't really understand. But if you understood them, then maybe we could make them happen more often. Yes, I'm just so thankful for you. And, and you're just, we need more hum more people like you. We do because there can be there can be someone who goes through the same experience that you did in school and feel so pressured or so pushed in one direction that they aren't as confident to explore those outliers that you wanted to explore. And that has ultimately led you to how you practice now. And I'm just so thankful that you're confident in that and that you continue well, to explore it. <laughs> the confidence is relative because <laughs> it was, I was very quiet. It was much more shy. I was much less outspoken. And it's something that I've cultivated over the years mm. that I've learned to trust myself, learned to trust my intuition, learned to trust the common sense. Like to me, what was obvious, but um, didn't seem obvious to other people because right. the more that I took steps towards that, the easier things became in my life. And then the easier the more efficient healing was like for patients, like what if I just followed that kind of intuition? So using everything that you have available to you. Right. Absolutely. So what exactly did you do your residency in? And then how did that lead? Did you go right into opening your own practice? Did you, you know, so, um, path to lead you there? I did my residency in pediatrics at, in the Bronx at Albert Einstein Jacoby, which um, was the year I left. The next year they moved it to a new building. So um, the building was like so old. And then it, there was something like in the literature called sick building syndrome something like that. <laughs> sort of how, what you thought, like when you, so when you walked in the building, First of all, there was a McDonald's on the first floor. 
why wouldn't there be? We, we were in Super Size Me, that that documentary. Um, so, and then, and and even the other residents, they would say, because we weren't, um, they weren't necessarily like holistic, but they were like, there's just something about when you walk into the building, you just don't feel as good anymore. And so it was in like the environmental stuff, something called sick building syndrome. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just, I believe I'm it. just joking because they moved, they moved it into a new building afterwards. So I was like, well, we got the the bottom <laughs> you got chipped got bottom of environment and bottom of nutrition available for easy things in between classes that's right. doctors of america I was, like, I was like i guess if you feed them mcdonald's you're just promoting your own hospital like, the cycle yeah i mean everyone knew it was ridiculous so it, it was not it was nothing hidden there but um Anyway, so then after that, I started, I, I found the term integrative medicine because I read Andrew Weil's book, Spontaneous Healing. And then I started searching integrative medicine. So thank goodness we had Google by then, <laughs> because then I could find people. <laughs> so I did an, yeah. a, an, a rotation in integrative medicine. And then after that, I did his two-year fellowship in integrative medicine. So that really expanded things. It gave me like a nice um, overview of of wow there's so much more to medicine i knew there was mm. and they were holding back on us and and then after that i um i really love to work with my hands and i grew up with music but i but i wondered why i never really used it as much later on and when i um started studying with the cranial osteopaths that's when i figured i was like oh this is what my whole life has led up to because I'm like, I can feel the rhythms in the body. Mm. And so the body has like so many rhythms in it. And we know some of them, your heart rate, the electrical activity in your brain, um, your breathing rate. So, but all the tissues actually have their own rhythm and it's they're all supposed to function together in resonance like an orchestra. So they need to be in tune and in rhythm with each other. Yeah. And so that's something really beautiful about cranial osteopathy to be able to feel that with your hands, feel all the different layers, the bone, the fascia, the movement of fluid. Mm -hmm. So when I describe it to people, I'll say, well, I'll check the al alignment of the bones, including in the head. I'll also check the movement of the fluids. So the arteries bring nutrients, the veins remove toxins, lymph flow drains inflammation, cerebral spinal fluid flows so the nerves can communicate well. How the organs feel and how they're communicating with each other, they need to be in tune and in rhythm with each other, feel balanced and whole. And will also um, help to reset the, the nervous system, especially the autonomic nervous system, yeah. which I can talk about at length. But so what I, I will add to that, what I've expanded for the osteopathic profession is that I'll also feel the rhythm of the emotional body. And so oh. that's something that I actually help teach other physicians to feel so that they can incorporate it into their practice the mm. the way that I do in mine. And it really, oh, there, there's, there's so much I can say about that. And for those who have never had it done, can you explain just very simply what it is? It's light manipulation, but in better words. <laughs> it's fully clothed, <laughs> laying on the table. So we call it a treatment table, but it looks like a massage table, but it's fully clothed. And so I'll generally tell people, 
I'll, you know, first I'll put my hands on your head and then I'll come around the side, put my hands under your back, under your bottom, on your belly, shoulders, arms and legs as I need to. And I won't move a lot, but you might feel things. Mm -hmm. You might get some belly gurgling. So that's a vagus nerve release. Mm -hmm. You might get twitches. It's just nerve pathways opening up. Yeah. Um, you could get other sensations, other pathways opening up or blood flow opening up. So, um, and you can also get like thoughts and emotions bubble up because the, the tissues can hold on to things that are difficult for you to, um, to go through, to, right. to experience. So it can hold on to things, but as things release, you can get that bubble up and you can talk to me anytime during the treatment. Um, and sometimes I'll have people also do some mind body exercises to help their own treatment. So to treat themselves. Yeah. So, and I'll incorporate all, all different kinds of things. So that's the it. solution to the first patient, patient zero for Dr. Arlene. She's found her solution of how to unblock that trauma in the tissue and help that patient now. So don't Discoverers at home don't miss that because she has she answered her own question. Mm -hmm. She took the dirt yeah. to get there, wow. but being on her table helps release that trauma bond in that physical and emotional state by what she does as yeah cranial yes. And to that talk about that patient with pneumonia, so some people might think, well, what would that have to do with pneumonia? Well, if you have tension in your body. So anytime you have stress or trauma, the body curls in towards fetal position, then that can interfere with the movement of the fluids. So with if you're talking about pneumonia, you need that lymphatic drainage. You need the lungs to be nourished by the blood flow and the toxins removed by the venous flow. So drainage. So um, it, ha it does have something to do with pneumonia. And if you knew how to help open those pathways up. Um, I mean, it's the emotional body. If you want to talk about just the, the fluid body, like the lymph flow, that's just blocked plumbing. But see, you're always a human being. Mm -hmm. So all those dimensions are integrated always. I mean, you can't ever tease it apart fully. So someone might say, well, is this like a mental thing or emotional thing? Or, or is this like a physical thing? And like, my answer is, it's always everything. Sure, there might be like one layer dimension calling out more than others. However, you cannot completely tease it all apart because you are a human being. And if you were to tease them apart, you would no longer be a human being. Right. You'd be, I, you'd be human done. Human done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I firmly believe that because something, I mean, my experience with you as a patient or when my daughter was a patient when Jada was born, so my last baby, she's, oh my gosh, almost two. Ah, she'll be two in October. But she, when she was born, her sutures were overriding. And then in the next three, four days, they did not kind of go back to where they should be. And I went to a whole, I don't see my own children. So I took her to somebody that I consider kind of a, another local holistic uh, pediatrician. And she was like, you need to go to neurosurgery. And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I will go see Dr. Diamco. And I mean, I think that what you were saying is that Jada, when, when she was born, she didn't breathe on her own for almost 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And the cord was attached. We had her at home. Her heart rate was always above 100. So we were comfortable. 
And that cord's there for a reason, but she just needed extra time. But that is traumatic. That is traumatic mm-hmm. for her. It was traumatic for me. And I think her body was physically holding on to that. And her little sutures just weren't, you know, going back to where they belong because of that trauma that she was holding at a cellular level. And mm-hmm. I mean, we saw you once and they moved. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Um, and, and it's just, it just goes to show that the body holds on to so much physically that if we just work to calm the central nervous system, to open those channels that we can heal so incredibly on our own, if we're given the proper tools. So, oh, I yeah, I, I tell patients that story all the time and I'm like, you guys just need to go, just go see her, please. <laughs> Sounds like my orchestra needs a tune up. Yeah. With all of my chronic <laughs> yeah. stuff yes. I've been carrying around. You for do. So and now a word from our sponsor. Most people don't realize the connection between the immune and digestive systems. In fact, 70 to 80% of your immune system lives in your gut. That's why it's so important to protect daily. Stellar Biotics are pioneers in immune and gut health with 20 plus years of science behind their metabiotic and probiotic supplements. They are all natural, proven, safe, and effective for everyone in your family, children, nursing mothers, and even pets. I trust them for my own family's immune and gut health support, and I hope that you consider them for your family too. Learn more at StellarBiotics.com and use coupon code DRCC10 to get 10% off of your purchase today. Um, so a question I have for you, I know that is a large part of your practice, but I know it's also not the only part. How do you incorporate, is that, um, a major modality for you when patients come to see you? Do you have different appointment types where you are integrating other modalities or supplements or anything like that? What is a typical patient typical day look like for you? So A lot of the visit will be spent with the cranial osteopathic portion, but that is both informative. So it's assessment or diagnostic for me and therapeutic. So it's treatment at the same time, but it gives me so much information Mm -hmm. um, and it can help me with just looking at what's needed in the diet or nutritionals, um, herbals and supplements. I'll use flower essences, homeopathic remedies. Um, I'll usually give people some kind of homework, but it'll be really pretty easy because I really feel like like the small things done consistently can create miraculous results. So I'll I'll give them homework that's hard to turn down. Right, right. <laughs> like because it'll usually be something fun. <laughs> Simple things that they can be able to implement into their daily routine without feeling stressed out. Yeah. 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 Like when, I mean, cause when I talk to like regular physicians, sometimes they say to me, well, I, we don't have time for this. We don't have time to talk to them about that. And I I tell them some of the homework I give people, I'm like, it takes me maybe a couple minutes to give them their homework. So one story I tell often is of this grandmother and she was taking care of three teenage boys. And so she was under a lot of stress and she had chronic diverticulitis, had gone everywhere, was on um, chronic antibiotics, but they still couldn't keep it at bay. So she came to see me. And then, um, I mean, obviously she was under a lot of stress. So I just asked her, well, what do you do for yourself? What do you do for fun? And she's like, "I nothing, I don't have time. And I was like, okay, so all I want you to do is one thing for yourself every day, you can do whatever you want. I mean, 15 minutes, like lay on the couch, read a book, go for a walk, have lunch with a friend, call somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't care. 
you don't even have to rehab any other reason except for I want to do this. And um, so that was her number one homework. Of course, we tweaked the diet some and then got things moving like with the cranial osteopathic treatment. But just with that, it just took like a few appointments. And then she learned how to address her own life. She learned how to read her life. So I, I told her, I was like, you know, if it starts to flare, don't, it's not a problem. Just look at it as a message. So when it flares, take a look at your life. Like, oh, did I eat something that I know will make it flare? Just tune that up a little bit. Um, or did I forget about myself again? Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. I know what to do. And she That's knew. So anytime it would start to flare, she would just um, tune it up and yeah. uh, and and that's it but the advice of like you know do something yourself i don't care what it's like that took me about two minutes to give yeah so the other day i wrote down on a, on a patient's treatment plan i actually wrote this down laugh find something to make you laugh because she was so secluded she didn't have a lot of interaction with people she had no just social stimulation she wasn't joyful. And I was like, we need to find something that just you enjoy, that makes you laugh, that makes your soul feel good and fulfilled. I mean, it is. It's tiny little things that people don't realize how drastic of a difference it'll make and how they feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, it's why we like to watch those videos of babies laughing. Or right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So can we talk a little bit about how we can use something like cranial osteopathy to keep people well, whether that is newborns, children, adults, how do you view that as something or do you view that as something that we can utilize or implement to keep patients well? And if so, how often would you like those patients to check in? A, a wide variety, depending on what people are coming in for. So if they are dealing with something, an issue, then um, we might I might see them more regularly, but it's not going to be as frequent maybe as some other therapies. So it could be once a month or so, um, just with something with some regularity until things start to smooth out. If it's like, Sometimes people will bring in their families in just to kind of check in and see what's going on. I mean, I'll have plenty of people bring their kids in or just want to, even the babies, just to see what happened. They might have gone to the pediatrician already, but they want to see what happened um, with the birth. Um, I'll also, like for for the kids, I'll, I mean, for, for anyone, I, I can feel their constitution, their personality. So uh, it helps me to guide them with what to expect or how to handle things. And so for the little ones, then I, if they're just coming in for that kind of general um, checking in wellness, then I might give them some advice for parenting. Like, well, your kid is kind of like this. So just for you to know for future years, <laughs> it might be best to address them in this way. Um, it, because there's there's so many different kinds of constitutions and personalities. And, and people that come to see me, maybe they prefer a more holistic way or maybe they've gone around the block and just not getting seeing the progress that they want. So um, anytime someone's stuck, then I say, well, expand your perspective. Just pause and expand your perspective. So um, cranial osteopathy can be a way to expand your perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to collaborate with any other kinds of specialists. Yeah. Um, in terms of like what people see me for, it, it can be all kinds of things from any kind of inf inflammation, um, digestive issues, headaches, concussions. Mm -hmm. I guess 
if we're dealing with like head things, there's not as many um, types of practitioners that know how to treat the head or the vectors of pressure that you might get in the head from a concussion. Right. Um, and but it's all cranial osteopathy. The term is kind of a misnomer because it's not just the head; it's always the whole body. It's always the whole being. Right. And um, and now because I do so much like trauma release work, and we also teach like trauma release exercises in the office. Um, and I have and Brooke teaches here with me too. So we'll have those kinds of workshops about once a month or so, uh, because I talk a lot about the emotional body and stress and trauma and the impacts it has on health, then a lot of people will come seek me out for, mm -hmm. for emotional trauma stuff, but um, they want to address that for yeah. their physical health too. I actually had a really cool story the other day of a, it was a mom and a baby. And I think I can't remember. Don't quote me on the age, but it was under a month old. And they had actually seen, this is the one where they were like, oh, we just saw Dr. D. And I was like, Tiamco? And they're like, yes, that's her. And they had, they were supposed to have a home birth and it did not go as planned. And they got transferred um, to a hospital, ended up having baby in the hospital. And some things just happened after birth where the baby was put in the NICU for a little bit. And she, mom just felt disconnected from the baby because of the time separated where they could only go visit, you know, certain hours per day, et cetera. And they went to see you and she said, you worked on the baby and you worked on her. And immediately after that, she intuitively felt more connected to her baby. Oh. And I, I know my heart was just, but it's amazing because it speaks volumes to what you do and also the importance of what you do and how it can help heal traumas that we don't even know we yes. have. I mean, this is such a beautiful story. Yeah. And it's it's like such a regular story in my day. And I don't say that for me, I say that for everyone so that you know that this can be the norm yes. for health and connection, relationships, for life. That That is more the norm because nature always goes towards balance. So it's, it's a part of us. It's already built in, but sometimes things kind of get stuck and we've, uh, you know, for various reasons, but, um, but that resilience is a built-in mechanism in everybody. So this, I love those stories. I, I love to hear them. And um, I mean, every day we have stories like that because everyone is really so amazing and has like, such a beautiful life experience. And it's, about being able to see it in that way. Mm -hmm. So even the hardships, there's something really beautiful going on. It's it's how they're growing through it or, um, it, you know, it's what are those messages coming through, even through the symptoms and the issues. And yeah. so once you start to be able to look at it that way, then life starts to have a lot more meaning. Yes, mm -hmm. and the purpose behind it, because something for me very personally, was when I was chronically ill for about six or seven years, I developed a form of PTSD that mm -hmm. every kind of symptom that would pop up and just normal life. I'm a little tired today. Well, I also have three kids at work full time. But the initial kind of feeling of that was, oh my gosh, is this coming back? You know, do I have Lyme disease again? And I had to work for a good year or two to change that perspective and to change how I view kind of that journey that I went through 
And that is then physically when I started to feel my best was when I was Mm. able to change that perspective mentally and how that correlated with how I felt physically. I mean, it makes all the difference. And I tell patients this all the time that no matter what's going on, no matter how many things we have going on or, you know, later on in our journey when we are, our labs all look great to my, (laughs) what I consider great, um, that we still can remain in in a state where we don't feel like we're completely healed because our body has not caught up. Mm-hmm. where our mm-hmm. body has to be on par with where our labs look and all these other things for us to physically feel better. And that's, that's where like, modality yeah. factors are just so impactful. That's where it's like integrating the yes. the whole being it will help it feel so much more in resonance because it's when there's some sort of dissonance. So like the mind, and it's so easy for, especially when people have, um, they're they're great thinkers. Mm-hmm. They can kind of think themselves out of things like I'm over that. And then the body can be over over here and be like, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like you got to like get on the same page. So that's a, a misalignment or like some dissonance there. And so that will present itself as some sort of symptom. And the symptom is like that sign or the message. The body's like, hey, remember me. Um, so bringing it together. But the more you can learn to understand yourself uh, the more you can hear and see yourself, then the more access you have to your own healing. Mm-hmm. So what are your biggest, would you say, what are your biggest, if we're just talking about wellness, what are your biggest tips and tricks, whether for your own family, for your kiddos and for you, but also tips that you offer to your patients who are wanting to stay well? Give, what are your top few suggestions there? One to let yourself breathe. Why? So I have I can give you my my three step process to get through anything. <laughs> so it'll be like, I mean, it's really just letting yourself be. Mm. So it's one. You can start if you're a thinker. You can start with that. What am I thinking, feeling? Um, if you're like more a physical feeler, then you can start with like, what am I feeling in the body, like physically. Mm-hmm. So what am I feeling emotionally? What am I feeling in my body? And then next, am I breathing? If not, then start breathing into those. She told me to breathe earlier today. <laughs> it's, it's important. I mean, if you want to set, I mean, I set my personal record today for most days being alive in a row. Did you set yours? I sure did. <laughs> We're nailing it. Good job. Keep <laughs> Oh, take, a, take a deep breath. Every every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> every day. Keep breathing. I love that though, because it's so simple. You know, we, and this is, again, this is something I tell patients all the time is we can take all the supplements we want in the world. We can take all of them. And a lot of the time that will not be enough mm-hmm. because if our physical well, yes. body- And if the body's like this, yes. the supplements can't get into the That's cell. Thing. And then what did you say? Then you just have expensive pee. Yes. <laughs> no, but it's it's true. They have nowhere to go. So it's so important to incorporate- well, I mean, I love it when I work with other practitioners because um, they get to see how much more efficient their work becomes too. So whether it's a therapist or somebody else is managing all the supplements or anyone else they're, they're seeing, um, like they will feel stuck too with the patient because it's like, gosh, we're, we're working so hard and we're not getting anywhere. So if you're working so hard, see, health is a natural process it is nature. Mm. So if you're working really hard, you have to take a step back and look where the ease is again. 
and it might be a, another layer. But that could take some courage too, because to able to be able to see yourself, hear yourself takes courage in the beginning. And especially if you're going through something difficult or if you've had some trauma or some dark times, it's hard to see all of that, which is why our bodies are so helpful for us and help us cope mm -hmm. by storing things away until a time where they, it feels that we can handle it. Yeah. And, um, and so just to like be, cradle yourself like a baby yeah. through those things, you can't make the baby stop. You can't say, stop crying, baby. You have to just be you know, really yeah. Do you have any <laughs> guidelines that you follow at home with raising your own kids as ah. just tips for wellness? Yes. Give them to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have four kids, you know, and you know how your kids are all different. So different personalities. So it's, um, uh, so the more you can see and hear yourself, as a being, then the easier it will be to understand your kids. Mm. And your kids are, um, Dr. John Kim once said to me, like, your kids are great Zen masters because they will trigger for you everything, yes. every, everything that you're not yet over, you haven't yet processed, things that you had forgotten about in your childhood will now come to the surface at every age that they are, um, yep. because they'll go through it, or they'll say something, or you'll hear your own words come back at you, and you'll have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, it is so true. They are the most humbling beings. They really are. <laughs> so um, one is allowing them to have their own voice. And that means that if they call you out on something and there is some truth in what they're saying, you actually have to let them. So you have to um, be able to approach it uh, and also in a non-judgmental way for yourself and them so that they will learn to be able to speak up for themselves when um, things feel out of balance. Yes. And, and, and then when they're going through difficult things, it's really hard not to want to fix it. Mm -hmm. They didn't get the class they want. They didn't get the teacher they want. They didn't have, you know, some friend things. You just like, you want to go in there and fix it. But that can give the message that there's something wrong with them that has to be fixed. And sometimes we can't just, I mean, we can't just go in there and like control their, their whole lives and pave out this red carpet for them. Um, it won't really like prepare them to, to deal with like challenging situations. Um, but they are asking us to be with them, to yes. be present with them. And um, I, I, this was like such a beautiful example. It was a thing after it was a Thanksgiving after my uh, younger cousin had, died. So we had a, a funeral, a family funeral. So it was, it was a big deal. It was a lot getting together. And then um, my two older girls, they wrote these beautiful Thanksgiving letters. And I knew this might be the only time I get a letter like this. But one of the lines in it was, thank you for hugging me, even if you're mad at me. Oh. I know. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> right. So like for them to feel, to know that you still love them, even when you're upset. 
that they wow. still they feel that. Um, yeah, that that's one line that's you just huge. you're like, wow. I mean, and, then they'll um, forever feel safe, forever feel loved, no matter what happens. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like there was something wrong with their being where they weren't lovable. It was just it was a situational thing. Yeah. yeah. That's like the I need five minutes ask. Yeah. Have you heard about this? Mm -hmm. So where no matter what's going on, if someone's upset or voices, there's tension or anything that they're feeling like they need to get their point across or you need to get your point across with your spouse, you say, hey, I need five minutes. And every it's a, it's a diffuser. Everybody calms down and it gives them a, a safe space to express themselves, especially for little kids that yeah. are just in mm – -hmm caught up in the emotions. They know what they want to say, but they don't have the words to do it. Mm -hmm. And doing that in front of a parent that either has to discipline them or to protect them or emotions are running high that in, hey, I need five minutes. This is what I need to yeah. say in a safe place. I know that you love me. And I know because you're giving me these five minutes, it's a safe space for me to express myself. Even if I don't know how to express myself, mm -hmm. I have the safe space to do that. So that's a beautiful yeah. thing of yeah. being able to have just grace. Yeah. Grace. I know. And they're allowed to feel however they feel, yeah. which, um, yeah, it's really interesting. There was like another situation with a couple of my girls, I have, I have four, four girls. And so, um, it, it, it taught me a lot about how any emotion is okay. And I didn't realize how I was judging certain emotions until mm -hmm. the situation, because one of them had missed a trip with a friend because we had a family obligation. Uh, and so the, uh, the sister said, because uh, another friend got to go on that trip and said, so she said to her sister, well, were you jealous, you know, of your friend that got to go on the trip and you didn't get to go? And she goes, yeah, I was jealous. And then, you know, when I heard that, I started to go, oh, and they cut me off before. It's like I couldn't, the wheels in my head weren't turning fast enough. They were ahead of me. They go, mommy, you can't help how you feel. It's fine. And and I didn't even know what I was going to say because I said, oh, jealous. And I was like, you know, it's it's not a good emotion for you or the other person. It's like harmful right, for both. Right. I didn't even know how, how am I even supposed to say that. And, and so, and she said, yeah, I was jealous. And then her sister said, oh, okay. And then that was it. Oh. Yeah. They flowed right through it they, and it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. They allowed, you know, you're allowed to feel it and they moved right on to the next they thing. And I was it and wallow in yeah, it and trying to make a big deal yeah. about it. And you're yeah. ready to just like give yeah, them man. all that you got yeah. to help she, them move forward. She was upset. She missed the trip. She got over it. She was fine. She flowed through it just like the toddlers flow through their emotions. They love yeah. you. They don't like you. They love you again. You know, they throw something. <laughs> it's just like flow, flow, flow. And the health is in the flow. And that's what I say often. But yeah, yeah so they, they teach me all the time. And I, I, that's why I'm like, let them, let them say things. Um, because if I had cut them off or I was like, no, you know, they wouldn't have said that. Right. Yeah. But and now it's um, pent up and yeah. now it changes their perspective on that emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're like, that is not a safe way to feel. And you are bad if you feel it. And you're going to get in trouble if you feel it. And you're, right. it's not safe to talk to your parent about that. Right. right. Is this emotion going to matter in five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, <laughs> five months, five years? Right. If it's not, it's not important. And just, go through, you know, feel the, feel the emotion, feel the feels, be in it. And that's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I have learned so much about say the word me too. 
Cranial osteopathy. That's the word. Cranial osteopathy. <laughs> we like big words on this podcast, <laughs> especially because I say them wrong. All the time. <laughs> hysterical. And y'all, we have part two with Dr. Diampko coming out. So please stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait for the next part of this conversation. Y'all won't want to miss it. Um, Dr. Diampko, would you want to share any information with our community about where they can follow you or where they can learn more or anything like that? Sure. You can always connect with me on Instagram at All Worlds Health, Facebook, All Worlds Health and Pediatrics. I have a YouTube channel under my name, or you can look for the multidimensional MD. And you can always sign up for my e-love letters. I send them out once a week on um, Wednesdays. And you can do that at allworldshealth.com. So thank you so much for inviting me. I just, I love having these conversations and being able to talk about things differently. We do too. Absolutely. And we are, we'll dive deeper into more acute situations, more chronic situations in which cranial osteopathy can help just in overall wellness as well. So y'all stay tuned for part two, but until then, let's Let's discover discover together. together. Hey, discover, let's discover more. Find episode link in today's show notes. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the discovery doc. Connect with us on Facebook at the discovery doc. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit our website, thediscoverydoc.com. This podcast is produced by Soulpreneurs Association and powered by soulsoftware.co. Empowering your digital journey with innovative solutions. Content provided in this podcast provides general information and discussions on various topics related to health, wellness, and medical advancements. However, it is essential to understand that the content provided in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The hosts, guests, and contributors are individuals sharing their personal experiences, opinions, and knowledge in their respective fields. While they strive to provide accurate, up-to-date information, medical knowledge is constantly evolving and the information presented in this podcast may not always reflect the most current research and medical guidelines. It is crucial to consult with a qualified healthcare professional or medical expert for specific medical concerns. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking medical treatment based on the information presented in this podcast. The Discovery Doc Podcast encourages listeners to use their own judgment and discretion while implementing any suggestions, recommendations, or lifestyle changes discussed in this episode. Each individual's medical situation is unique and may work for one, may not be suitable or safe for another. The podcast hosts, guests, and contributors are not liable for any direct, indirect, consequential, or incidental damages or harm that may arise from listening or acting upon the information provided in this podcast. Listeners are responsible for their own health decisions and should exercise caution and seek professional guidance when necessary. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that you have read, understood, and agreed to this medical disclaimer. If you have any questions or concerns about this medical disclaimer, please consult a qualified healthcare professional.